Our second lesson is taken also in a continuation of Matthew's account of the birth of our Lord, beginning at chapter 2, chapter two verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard it, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judea. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding with great joy. And they came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him, and opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this reading of his word. Very special visitor this morning that I am going to depart from our usual routine just a little and ask to stand. Beatrice Wong, where are you? Will you stand, please? Thank you very much. Beatrice Wong is from Peking, China. Let's applaud and welcome her. Thank you very much. We welcome you. Thank you. I was thinking that's the first visitor from Peking in a long time in Montreal, <laughs> and we're very happy to have you. You know, it's interesting that I should introduce Beatrice at this time in this way, because so many of our people here in Montreal have had experiences in China in the past as missionaries. And one of the greatest missionary stories that I know comes from the life of a certain missionary family that worked in a difficult area of China years ago. The missionary tried with all of his heart to reach some people who were particularly difficult to reach with the message of the Christian gospel. Enemies opposed him and they circulated rumors about him. They claimed that he would kidnap children. They claimed that his medicines were poison 
and would destroy people. Uh, they did not like him and called him a foreign devil. Consequently, the people, tribes people they were, kept their distance from the gospel and from the missionary. And then that missionary, who was single, married a fellow missionary worker who came to their station. Later, a little baby was born to them, a golden-haired, pink and white baby. And people in that part of China had never seen a baby that looked like that. And wherever their parents carried the baby through the streets, crowds would gather and curiously gaze at this unusual baby. Soon the resistance to the gospel was finished, and for this victory God had used a child like the village had never seen before. A child like the babe of Bethlehem. And if a man would hasten with the shepherds to see this wondrous child, or go with the wise men to see this wondrous child, and believe in who he is, the glorious gospel of his grace would be opened up to a new life in him. I remember hearing John Stott of Cambridge lecture one time on the Incarnation. And he talked about uh, the skins of people of the world. And John Stott, you have to imagine John with his silver hair and his pink cheeks and his white face. He said that, uh, uh, you know, there are black people and there are red people and there are brown people and there are yellow people. But he said, really, to be pink is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and that's what most of us are. So we would attract attention. And you can see why this would come to pass. Now then, let's look at our account today. You remember, of course, in the beginning, the first lesson that was read told of Joseph's account of the virgin birth of Christ. Our Lord Jesus was born uniquely and differently from any other baby that was ever come into the world. God had done for man what man could never do for himself. Man can only produce man. It took the invasion of God by the Holy Spirit miraculously into the womb of the Virgin Mary to see to it that a new Adam was born, freed from the taint of sin, so that he could be our Savior one who was called Emmanuel, as the bell choir played, God with us. I believe in the virgin birth, and I like to affirm it each year at this time. It is prefigured in the Old Testament. It is plainly taught in Matthew and in Luke. And I'll never forget one devastating thing that occurred on the floor of a presbytery where a bright young man who had thought that everything about the miracles were only myths. It's funny how they relegate all the exciting parts of the Bible uh, to the early church. Uh, but there was one man there when this uh, young theologian stood up and he said, well, the virgin birth was only mentioned twice in the Gospels. And one old man stood up and said, young man, how many times does God have to say something before you listen to him? 
twice is enough, but it's prefigured in the Old Testament, is plainly taught in Matthew and Luke. You cannot explain the incarnation any other way. Genetic engineering will never produce the Son of God. And it is also impressive and significant that all the great creeds of Christendom, credo means I believe, credit means someone trusts you to pay them. When we say we believe, what do we mean? Are there reservations? I believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate in human flesh. A ridiculous presbytery up around Baltimore refers to God as her amazing grace and rejects uh, a person who would oppose the ordination of women, but has accepted a man who does not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. This is preposterous. They're correcting the grammar of God with a new edition of the Bible. But when you come back to the Bible to read it, you read these accounts of what God says is plain history. And you have to deal with it as history or you have to enter into an Alice in Wonderland use of language in which you write your own version of the gospel. And I don't want to believe in that. So here we come to the virgin birth is told by Matthew. And then this baby who is born in these wise men, these magi, which... Uh, the word magi uh, comes from learning. There were people who were astrologers, people who studied the stars. There were people who were like philosophers who read ancient lore. Matthew is careful to tell us that these people had studied the Old Testament scriptures, evidently, and they have come all the way from what is modern Iran, I expect, from Persia. They have made a long, long journey. Maybe when Daniel was taken into captivity, there were scriptures that were told concerning this unique one, the Messiah, who would come. And so these strangers make their long journey, the journey to Jesus. I am struck by the surprises that occur. Do you ever notice this time of the year when packages begin to be wrapped around the house that certain little fingers are going around shaking them and uh, a feeling of them and listening carefully to them? A very fine minister said that when he was a little boy, he lived out in the country and they had to pick their Christmas presents out of the Montgomery Ward catalog or the Sears Roebuck catalog. And uh, he wanted very much to graduate from one of the little training type bicycles to a real full-fledged bicycle. And so he was hoping with all of his heart that he would be surprised at Christmas with a bicycle. And one day, sure enough, the American Express Company came up with a truck, the Railway Express, and they delivered a package he was just a little guy and didn't realize that bicycles came all broken down and so the handlebars couldn't be outlined or seen. 
but he said there was one wonderful little hole in the side of the box. And he put his eye against that hole and looked, and he saw a red pipe. And so he said to his mother, he ran around in the backyard and he said, Mother, the Railway Express Company has just delivered this package from Montgomery Ward. And I looked in the hole in the side and I saw a red pipe. And his mother, who was a school teacher and totally unflappable, you have to be if you teach school for 30, 40 years, as she had. She, uh, she said, oh good, the clothesline poles that I've ordered for your father have come. <laughs> Would you help me take them in the house and put them in the closet? And so he carried the package in, very crestfallen, and thinking that they were clothesline poles for his father for a Christmas present. And then on Christmas Day, the great surprise came and the box was open. Now, I don't know the situational ethics of this, situ of this, where the lady had suggested this, but I know what she was trying to do. She was seeking to preserve a surprise. And you see, surprise after surprise. When the angel appeared to Mary, she was surprised. That's why the word behold is there. Here's something unusual and different. When the angel comes to Joseph, to tell him that this baby conceived in this tiny little woman, Mary, is no ordinary baby, but that this baby is God's son. Behold, again, are the words that are used, because here comes a great surprise. When the shepherds are out in the field, a great surprise comes to them when the announcement is made to them. God uh, has a wonderful sense of humor in making a surprise like this. If you stop and think about the shepherds for a moment, here are these rustics, country bumpkins, out on the hillside, third shift shepherds who have to work in the middle of the night. All the others with greater seniority are in Bethlehem. Uh, all the people are there, big taxation, big crowd is gathered, but they are low in seniority, so they have to work. And what happens? An angel appears to them and announces to them good tidings of great joy, which is going to be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is just a few miles away, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And that's not all. He says, wait a minute. We brought the Robert Shaw Corral here. We've got Fred Waring's Pennsylvanians. Uh, they're going to sing for you an anthem. Think about what that would cost at union wages today. And here these people didn't even understand good music. And yet they have a choir of angels singing to them. That first hymn that we sung, the song of the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's a surprise. God makes it a great supply, surprise when he appears uh, to these shepherds. And then the surprise of the wise men I want to go to as quickly as possible. The surprise of the wise men interests me tremendously. 
Because where would you have thought about this king being born? A star appears to them, and so they begin to go because they know that God is going to appear in this one who is to be born king of the Jews. When they at last come to him, there is a new appearance that's there. The star is one thing, but to have seen that baby is far greater. They come to that stable because they have seen a star. But something greater than the star is going to be seen by them in that precious baby. Now they go thinking that they will find a king being born in a king's palace. And so they go to Herod's palace in the capital city of Jerusalem. That's where kings are supposed to be born, in the capital, in a palace. And so they go. They go to Herod's palace, and they say, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Now, you must remember that these wise men who came must have been quite an impressive thing when they entered the city of Jerusalem with a retinue of servants and their big camels. Uh, this would be an ostentatious display. And Herod, Herod, the terrible person that he is, who has no scruples in killing off members of his family who might uh, impinge upon his kingly rights, they come to him and say, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And Herod is taken back by this. And so Herod said, king, king of the Jews? Oh, of course, let me get my experts in. And he called in the leaders of the church and said, where is the king of the Jews, the Messiah, supposed to be born? And so they give him the Micah passage that he is to be born in Bethlehem. And then uh, he goes on to the wise men with the news that he is to be born in Bethlehem. And probably he sends his CIA agents going with the wise men to Bethlehem. And couldn't you just imagine what happened with his spies? He probably had a spy for every camel and every camel driver. He was jealous of his throne. And that star led them not to a palace, but to a stable. And you can almost hear the report that comes back from one of his spies. He said, Herod, you were uptight about this king that was to be born? Listen, you ought to have seen what happened. We went six miles away to Bethlehem. Who ever heard of anyone being born in that nasty little town anyway? We went there, and do you know what happened? Those strangers went to a stable. And you ought to have seen the place. The inn was full of people. And so that means there were a lot of horses and donkeys and camels around there, and that place was a mess. You don't have anything to worry about. He's no threat to your kingdom. But you see, the greatness of God, if a baby were born Today, we want our baby to be born in a hospital. We want the very best help we can get. And here, God 
deliberately invades this planet in a filthy stable. And in that place, the Son of God is born. And this is a tremendous thing. Matthew is Jewish, and he has given a citation from Old Testament scripture about the Messiah being born. But these Gentile kings coming mean that the promise of salvation is not just to the Jews, but to the Chinese and to the Americans and to the Russians and to the people in Central and South America and to the black people, that salvation is to be to all people. This had been predicted again and again in Old Testament scriptures. Psalm 22 says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall bow and worship before him. The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Isaiah 11:10. In that day the root of Jesse shall stand as an ensign to the people. Him shall the nations seek. I have given you a covenant to the people as a light to the nations. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So you can see. Even in the Old Testament, there were people like Job and Jethro and Rahab and Ruth and the queen of Sheba and the, the widow of Zarephath that Elisha had helped at Naaman, the Assyrian. Some of Christ's ancestors were Gentiles, Rahab and Ruth. And some important things in the Old Testament had to do with Gentile things. The law was given at Mount Sinai. That really was heathen ground. Moses' wife was a Gentile. Therefore, his children were half Gentile. The tabernacle furnishings were all from Egypt. The temple in Jerusalem was founded on Jebusite land. The timber used uh, to build it was from Hiram. Christ himself spoke favorably of both Naaman and that widow that Elisha had helped. And Jesus, Jesus was born, born in a place where foreign travelers had come. I wish there was time to go through all that this lesson teaches. If you were a person in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and a lot of people celebrate communion on Christmas Eve, the communion bread is put in a little silver canister and on it is a star, the star of Bethlehem, because Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. And Christ said, I am the bread of life, that we must eat of him. And that's important to remember. He speaks of himself in that way. And when we come to Holy Communion, we come in that way. He surprises everyone. He su Mary is surprised. Joseph is surprised. Herod is surprised. 
The wise men are surprised at where they go. The shepherds are surprised. If you have a chance and you get an opportunity to listen to the story of Amal and the night visitors, be sure that you listen to it. Amal was like the lady I told about in the first part of the story. He was given to uh, fibbing, which is a nice way of saying not telling the truth. And there was, he was always exaggerating. You remember what happened in the evening when the wise men were going that way? They got toward his house. And his mother knew that he was always wildly exaggerating and he had gone outside and had seen this star. And he came in and he said, Oh, mother, 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 you ought to see this star. It's got a tail longer than this. And his mother says to him, Now, Amel, don't tell stories. And he said, Well, maybe it's that long. And she said, Tell the truth. And there's a knock at the door. And he runs to the door. And then he slams it and comes back to his mother. And he says, Mother, you'll never believe what I saw at the door. And she said, Well, you tell me the truth and I'll believe you. He said, There's a king at the door. And she said, Oh, Amal, how many times have I got to tell you to quit telling lies? Tell the truth, please. And then there's another knock at the door. And Amal runs to the door again, and he opens it. And then he slams it, and he runs back to his mother. And he says, Mother, I did tell you a lie. There is not a king at the door. There are two kings at the door. <laughs> oh, Amal, she said, will you ever, ever tell the truth? I can never trust you. Don't ever tell lies again. And then there's another knock. And Amal runs to the door, slams it, runs back to his mother, and he says, Oh, mother, I did lie. There are not two kings. There are three kings at the door. Well, that settles it. His mother goes to the door and flings it open, and she's surprised to see that the three kings are there, the strangers, the wise men, who are going to rest up that night in their house. And you, if you've read the story or know the warm storyline, you know what happens, how healing comes to that little boy and how blessings come to that house because God, God loves to bring warm and good things to us. History can never be the same since what happened that night. Rich Gray mentioned a moment ago The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. I have copies of it and I want you to take them home with you afterwards. Let me just say this much about it. I won't go through the entire poem, but I've studied this poem for many, many years. When I was in college, I thought it was a, just crazy. I didn't like it at all. But I didn't have enough sense to like a lot of things then. And then as time went on, and I began to study about T.S. Eliot, I learned that this man who was a Unitarian, who did not believe in the Trinity, who did not believe in the deity of Christ at all, had gone over to England, as Rich told us, before World War I. He took a job in a bank. He wrote poetry on the side. And you know what he used to do? He used to go sometimes to a church during his lunch hour because he wanted a place that was quiet to think. 
And he was always impressed with the people in this Anglo-Catholic church that knelt down to pray. He, in his Unitarian family, had never seen people kneel to pray. These wise men knelt in their worship of the Christ child. And so, Elliot himself, going through a nervous breakdown and having to go to Lausanne in Switzerland to recover from it, being in a miserable and unhappy marriage, walking in and out among families that are unhappy and people that are such fakes, he begins to think. And during this time, people encouraged him to read the Elizabethan poets to learn their style of writing, so he read John Donne, his sermons. And then he got a hold of Lancelot Andrews, and by the way, if you see a King James Version of the Bible, Lancelot Andrews was the chaplain to that King James. On 16 successive Christmas days, he preached before His Majesty the King, and he preached on the deity of Jesus Christ. Eliot, through studying that prose, came to believe in Christ. And what led him to Christ? His own empty life, he would come home and walk into his flat and stand in the corridor and dread to open the door and go in and face his miserable wife. He was a timid sort of man, an intellectual. He wondered, could it really be true that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, could really be born in human flesh? And then he came across a sermon by Lancelot Andrews in which he tells about the journey of the wise men. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey and such a long journey, the ways deep, the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. Why does he say that? Because there's no easy time to come to Christ. There's not much pleasant, he recalls as an intellectual, about his long journey to the place where he finally admits that Jesus is the Son of God, and he says the Nicene Creed, which we said today to a priest, and says, all of this I steadfastly believe, and three times water is poured upon his head, and he is baptized as an Orthodox Christian in the Church of England. But his journey to Jesus was not pleasant. Ezra Pound made fun of him, Bertrand Russell made fun of him. Others mocked him. So he says about the journey of the wise men, the camels were galled and sore-footed and refractory. It means difficult to handle. They were lying down in the melting snow. There were times that we regretted the summer palaces on slopes and the terraces and the silken girls bringing sherbet. And then the cam camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women. Stop and think about the Christmas parties that you'll go to or see this year. You'll find them just as he says here. The cities were hostile, the towns unfriendly, the villages dirty, charging high prices. 
a hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night sleeping in snatches with voices singing in our ears saying this was all folly. Has anyone ever said that to you because you followed Jesus Christ? I remember a man who had arranged for me to run for a state representative's office in the state of Texas when I was 21. He worked for Mr. Johnson as I had worked for Mr. Johnson as a congressman. He called me into his office one day to discuss our plans for the future. And I told him that God was calling me into the ministry. And he looked at me with contempt and disgust. Preacher, anybody can do that. Big steward in the Methodist church. But you see how real his faith in Christ was. Then he was no information. So we continued and arrived at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the place. And I love this line, it was, you may say, satisfactory. That's sort of the understatement of the ages. Now then, he says, all of this was a long time ago. You see what happened? It's like what happened to Nicodemus when he went to Jesus and he told him he had to be born again, so weak at birth, so near death, and so full of life. And then he concludes his great poem, which is the story of his conversion. We return to our palaces, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. That's the way it is when you're truly converted. You're brought back amongst an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad for another death. Let us stand in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, without whom life has no real meaning. We thank you that he came into this world to redeem us and to bring us unto himself. We need the message which we've heard this day. We need the message of the Incarnation. We need to know your great power. We pray that you will help us to know and to love Jesus Christ and to live for him with all of our mind and heart and soul and strength. Keep us from doubting, but help us to firmly believe and live a life that will bring honor to him. If any person here has never yet accepted Christ, help that person to know that they may investigate his claims and that he beckons them to come unto himself, that he has said that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to as many as believed on his name. Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit our keeper and our guide be and abide with you all 
now and forevermore.